I just want to share something with you. This is kind of a fun one. Um, I got a bunch more, but for time-wise. So you guys know Brad Jerzak and Paul Young. Most of you guys do, right? And so, uh, so Bradley sent me this thing. So that he, it just released on Amazon, but he sends me this. He goes, my little novel written with Paul Young is complete and the printer, but for weeks now, Amazon put it on hold because of some issue they wouldn't specify. So we've been trying and trying to get it unblocked with no response as what to do or how to proceed. So frustrating. This sounds like a job for the Popovich prayer celebration. <laughs> Everything was flying along way ahead of schedule than this. Everything just stopped. Just need this to pop through. So that was a Tuesday. So all the prayer team were like, oh, yes. We love this stuff. So uh, anyway, we just did our thing. We just saw it as completely released. We saw it in divine speed, etc. And I think a lot of you guys were going, hey, it's going to be perfect timing, actually. Whatever was happening, it's going to be perfect timing. And then literally a week later, almost to the hour, he sends me this thing, looky here. The pastor, a crisis, was released on Amazon. Perfect timing for them. Not just fun. So they employed what we've been sharing the whole time, guys. Is If we start way back in the garden narrative, where it says, way back into the garden is how. And the garden's Eden, it's delight, it's delightsomeness, it's wholeness, it's the, to be spoiled like a bride, if you really go look at that word delight. And Eden is three Hebrew letters, I end the let noon, which is what you see within is the doorway to life. So if you see death within, when, when Jesus says, if, you're, if what you see within is dark, how great is that darkness, right? But if you see light, if you see what you desire within, how awesome that is. That's where salvation comes from. And so anyway, they just, so he says, what you do between the cherubim, the cerebrum, the two halves of your brain, the temple within, and the sword that turns within itself, like the prodigal son, it's the same word. It turns back within itself. It's the spirit that turns within itself what you do with the cherubim. So, guys, it's this simple. There's no struggle. There's no strain. There's no nothing. I mean, anytime we pray, isn't it always supernatural? You're asking for an intervention, something happening here, to be different, aren't we? And the truth is, as he says, whatever you do there, I see, the Father sees what you do within, and I make it come to pass with no effort on your own. How fun is that? So that's just so much fun. And every story, if we look at it, like even tonight, the more I dig and the more I look into all these stories and the types and shadows in the Hebrew and the Greek, I'm like, oh, it's all the same message, guys. It's all the same. They're just coming at it from a bunch of different stories. So anyway, you don't have to struggle with it all. You literally just trust that what you do between the cherubim, what you see there and what you tell yourself within, he sees it and go about your way and it'll come to pass. Isn't that fun? That wouldn't that be an easier life than begging God and all these different things? So anyway, um, I, I, was, I shared this in the, in the messages today in the email I sent out. I was, I was just sitting there last night going, Lord, what do you want me to share? And I kept getting Deuteronomy 28 and and the... Uh, the woman caught in the act of adultery. I'm like, that's weird. They don't really fit to me. And so I'm like, all right. I said, but I've learned to just go to bed. <laughs> so go, all right, Lord, you just confirm it to me in the morning. And then I read the mirror translation. And guess which two things are there? He quotes Deuteronomy 28 in it. And I'm like, oh my God. Yes, thank you, Father. I get it. So anyway, most of you guys have probably been taught this is, um, where the woman caught in the act and, and uh, then all of a sudden he says, now go and sin no more. And then all the religious guys go, see, it says go and sin no more. Isn't that how it was interpreted? And I'm like, you're such a pinhead. Because if, if you, how, how well, if, if we were never supposed to make a mistake or if it was behavior-based again, how well have we done? I'm gonna do something tonight probably, right? Just like tell my neighbor he's number one or something like that. I don't know what they'll do. So, it has nothing to do with behavior. That's what he's really saying. So anyway, I just wanted to share some, oh, oh, I'm on, I want to show that video. So anyway, I forgot about that. So, all right. Hey, if this is being recorded, I think it is. So Benjamin Bedone, first of all, I have to thank you. So Pastor Ben Bedone, some of you guys know him from New Orleans. And uh, all you guys that give to Inspire, this video is kind of rough. She did, Nashandra, the, the mom was, single mom with six kids. She had a house fire. And I didn't know this until last week. But she was literally sleeping on the floor, and uh, the doctors were going, hey, it'd be a lot better for your health conditions if you got off the floor. And so I was sharing the other night, I go, that's just the heart of a mom, though. They're going to sleep on the floor and let the kids sleep wherever. And, and so anyway, um, thank you. So this video, she's a little hard to hear, but, uh, and there's a part in there where she goes, Pastor Ben, I'm so sorry that I doubted you, because she thought 
we weren't going to come through. So that's what she's talking about there. And uh, so they had a house fire, and you see how well the contractors did. So eight days. So Pastor Ben, thanks for doing that. And all you Inspire, the Inspire100.org, thank you for everybody here that gives, because they did an awesome job. So if we just want to run that video, it's short. It's like a minute and 46 seconds. I am so grateful. Oh, my God. This means the world to me. This is really going to lift a lot of weight off of me. This house was stressing me out. I just thank God that he loved me and my kids enough to put some amazing pastors in my life. Pastor Mike, oh my God, I'll forever be grateful. Pastor Ben, I'm so sorry for even ever doubting you. I can't believe this had happened within a day and a half. All the windows are in the baseboards. Oh my God, all the lights fixed, the smoke detector. Oh God, Jesus Lord. I'll forever be grateful, Pastor Mike and Pastor Benjamin, y'all are best. Thank y'all so much. Y'all will never know what this meant to me. Oh my God. I'm gonna make me a little pallet on the floor right there. I'm so happy, I don't care. I'll sleep on the floor. I'm just so happy. I love y'all. I truly love y'all. Pastor Mike and Pastor Ben and Mr. Wilson. I am forever grateful that this was done in a day and a half. I'm still shocked. They're so neat. They clean up behind themselves and everything. Just warm your heart. That's so good. So some of you guys don't know, most of everybody here but online is, um, that's part of our benevolence is we take care of single moms and their kids. And, and uh, you can give one time if you go to freedomministries.org and just put inspire. Or The real goal is, is uh, how it started is what if 100 of us give 100 bucks a month? And that's 10,000 a month. We can take care of needs like that. Isn't that cool? We give away cars. We pay for dental work. We pay for house projects like this. Uh, we've done all kinds of awesome things. Sometimes, guys, it's so simple as we fill the single mom's refrigerator with food because she doesn't know where she's going to get it. I, I get it. I grew up like that. And so anyway, thank all of you guys. It's, uh, if that doesn't make you feel good, I don't know what does. That's just so. If you want to give to that, we could use a little bit of help there and just know you're doing something really awesome. So anyway, enough of that. Isn't that cool, though? I, I, I would love to have gone down. I told him to have a big party in New Orleans, but it's too hot. So <laughs> I said, we'll go in the fall. Because she really wants to cook. I said, well, I'll, we'll pay for the food and then we'll have a big crawfish deal, whatever. So sound fun? So and that'd, be, that'd be a blast. So all right. So the beautiful truths of the woman caught in the act. First of all, who's the woman? We are the, the nation of Israel, really, in context there. But it's always the bride of Christ. It's you and I, right? And so uh, anyway, really, once you... Uh, let's just get into the story because I think it's awesome. So... John 8, but I'm going to start in John 7, actually, because I think this is where you have to start, is the, the, uh, um, the verse or the chapter before. So as I was kind of sharing, um, the religious guys are arguing about theology. They're arguing about the book. Doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah, but the Bible clearly says they're, Jesus is in their midst and they can't see him because <laughs> they're trying to find him in a book and he's standing there going, hello, guys, I'm here. So... And so if we look at the context of this in chapter 7, so he's standing there, he's standing in the, the Jewish festival, and uh, if you go look at John 7, I think it's verse 37, let me get to it real quick for all you guys online. So, all right, so it says, in that day, the great day of the feast, now what's the great day of the feast? Anybody know? Who said that? Say tabernacles? Yeah, it's feast of tabernacles. Now tabernacle is what? What was the feast of tabernacles really Pointing to dwelling within the temple of skin, you, right? The temple, the tabernacle. So they're doing, going through all their ceremonies. And then Jesus says in that last day, and guys, if you're messianic, that's fine. But can you imagine a kid going and sleeping in a tent with your family like for a week? And going, this is, this, is, this is what we have to do in order for God to love us. They're missing the whole point. The Feast of Tabernacles was a feast pointing to the fact that he's going to inhabit temples made without hands, and the true temple is who? You. It's sometimes called the Feast of Booths. 
If you guys heard that, the Feast of Tabernacles. But anyway, you don't, if you celebrate it and tell them what it is, that's great. But I'm sure the kids would appreciate it if they don't have to be there all week, right? Just like, let them sleep in their own bed. In that last day, the great day of the feast, so they're going through all these feasts, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, so he's saying the scriptures are about him, out of his belly, and it's literally, if you go look at it, it's his womb. Out of us is where you're going to get satisfied. Every desire of your life is going to come out of your womb. It's going to come out of you. You're going to birth it. Isn't that interesting? He says, that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me. He's not telling them to believe the book. What's he telling them? If you believe the book's written about him, right? If you believe it in me, and the scripture has said, out of your womb, out of your belly is what King James says, but it's literally go your womb, your inner part, what you birth from within, <clears throat> shall flow rivers of what water? Living water. Living water, amen? Living is obviously an extension of what word? Life. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. So you're going to have this bountiful flow of life. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should not receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So let me read that out of the mirror translation real quick. That's good. That's really good too. So, because a lot of people get confused. They're thinking, um, if we were found in him before the foundation of the world, which that's what it says, right? And they go, oh, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't given yet. Well, the Spirit, if we look at it, is the only thing that gives anything life, isn't it? So nothing can be alive unless his Spirit is present. So that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit wasn't there. What was not there? The revelation of sonship, right? The revelation of who their true identity was. And so here's how, here's well, the mirror translation says it. And he actually tells you what it is. So he says, on that final day, the crescendo of the eight-day Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and proclaimed with a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, so if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you have any desire, anything that's not fulfilled in life, where are you going to find the resources for it? You're going to birth it from within your womb, within you, the most inner part of you. If anyone is thirsty, let him come and stand pros, face to face with me. It's the word pros. Now, where do we see that? Is we see in the garden narrative of the Old Testament is in the beginning, right? But then John starts out, I'm going to tell you the real truth. So the book of John says, in the beginning, it wasn't two naked people with a talking snake in a garden. That's not what it's about. In the beginning, you and I were pros, face to face with him. We've always been that way. And interesting, so he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and stand, pros, face to face with me and drink. John employs the word pros in order to emphasize the face to face fellowship that we have. In your belief that I am what the scriptures are all about, you will discover uniquely for yourself, face to face with me in intimacy, that I am what you are all about, and rivers of living water will gush out of your innermost being. Jesus addresses the individual, you, singular. Here John records how Jesus witnessed the eighth day, the great and final day of the Feast of Tabernacles, when according to custom, the high priest would draw water of the pool of Siloam with a golden jar, mix that water with wine, and then pour it over the altar where the people would sing with great joy from Psalm 118. Psalm 118 was obviously what Jesus reminded himself of, and also Isaiah 12.3. Therefore, with joy, we shall draw water from the wells of salvation. Then Jesus, knowing that he is the completeness of every prophetic picture and promise, crowd out with a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him, come, let him come unto me and drink. If you believe that I am what the scriptures are all about, you will discover that you are what I am all about, and the rivers of living water will gush from your innermost being. Verse 39, Jesus spoke about the Spirit, whom those who would believe that he is the conclusion of all scripture were about to grasp. Since we, Jesus, were in this majestic splendor, since, sorry, since who Jesus was in all of his majestic splendor was not yet fully acknowledged, and thus that spirit was not yet evident. Meaning there wasn't a revelation of their true identity yet. So was the Holy Spirit always there? Yes, of course. It can't be any other way, right? Nothing can be alive without life. That's pretty simple, but anyway. Now, so then if you continue down in John 7, you see they're arguing, right? And they're going, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what are they good at? The law. So they're arguing and they're telling Jesus he's not him and he's a blasphemer and Beelzebub and all these crazy things. And then he says, um, go read the book. The book says he can't be that person who he says he is because haven't you read your book? The Bible clearly says that no prophet will come out of Galilee. So they're arguing, Okay. Completely missing him standing there. Does this sound familiar to any religious service you grew up in? 
sounds totally familiar with me. So I'm going, oh, this all makes sense to me now. It's actually good news. Now, let's go into the John 8. Now, this is where it's, it's, it gets fun to me. If we can get that next slide, bud. All right. So here's John 8. But Jesus went to the mount. Now, how many guys know the original scriptures were not written in English? You guys know that? So when we read it in English, I think we're missing 90% of it. And so the mount literally is this word called oros, where it says, now, G- oh, gosh, you know what? The end, of, the end of John 7, it says this. So they're all arguing, and then everybody went back to their own house. Now, he's talking, he, was, he stood up in the middle of what feast? Feast of Tabernacles. They thought, if I come to the church, this is where everything's happening. This feast is what it's all about. Then the end of John 7 says, and they all went back to their own house, tabernacle. Now, John 8, 1. But Jesus went to the mount, and that's the Greek word oros, which means to rise, to live life above the plain, like the sun rising above the plain. Literally, if you go look it up in Greek, it says, when the sun's on the rise and the sun's rising, darkness does what? Goes away. And the sun starts to rise within. It's actually the, the Hebrew letter chet, too. It's really interesting. It's a straight line with a round circle with the sun rising up from it. So in your inner room is where all this life is going to happen. So he says, but Jesus, so everybody went to their own house. Now, where's, where are they going to find him? In their own house. That's what's pretty interesting. But when Jesus went to the Mount Oros, it means to rise or to lift above the plain of olives. Now, if we just read that in English, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, what picture do you get? He's cruising to a mountain. But he clearly says to the woman caught in the well, you're not going to worship me on a mountain. Where are you going to worship? Spirit and truth. So we should do this. We should go ding, 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 ding. It's not about a mountain, like a literal mountain, right? What's it about? If we read it in Greek, it literally is Elias in Greek, which where we get olives and things like that. But it says indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, everybody went to their own house and he rises within them. The Holy Spirit rises within them. Isn't that cool? I could spend hours on this. I was just like jumping up and down this morning going, oh my gosh, the more I look at this. All right, so now, early in the morning. If you go look up for that early in the morning, it's the same Greek word, oros. Now we think early in the morning, but it says the sun is rising above the plain. He came again where? Into the temple. Who's the temple? We are. So redemption, we redeem. We, we rediscover who we were. The sun rises within you again. You get revelation, Right? And all the, oh gosh, sorry, I got to slow down. Now, the sun rising in them, I'm going to read it like that. Early in the morning, he came again into the tabernacle. And it says, pass, all. So how many people does this happen to? All the people came to him. All, it, it says, pass, it says, all. Isn't that fascinating? It says, all the people came to him. And what did he do? He fulfilled the Feast of Tabernacles. He sat down within them and began to teach them from within. You getting this? It's so cool to me. So, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in the act of adultery. And when they had, when they had set her <clears throat> in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, if, only, if you guys haven't seen any made-to-life movies, etc., they show this like woman being dragged out and being embarrassed and shamed by everybody. Who is he really shaming? Who is the one caught in the act of adultery? The nation of Israel, the legalists and the Pharisees, right? They were literally caught in the act. So meaning this is when all the scriptures, all the prophetic scriptures, and even the book of Revelation says, return to your first love. He loved them first, then they loved now, if you're a Hebrew, here's what really happened. They believed they got married to the law. And so he says, return to your first love. You're not going to find intimacy. You're not going to find satisfaction being married to the law. Return back to your first love. So they are the woman caught in the act of adultery. Isn't that interesting? Now, religious people are the same today. It's, not, it's literally not a woman because they never talk about, well, where's the, where's the pastor that did it with her? Because they were the, the woman. You and I are the woman caught in the act. Does that make sense? So he's saying, return to your first love. All right. This woman was caught in the act of adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us this. So here, I love this part. Because they go, which, which part of the Bible was written at this time? 
the Old Testament, the law, the Torah, you're right, the Torah, the laws, the Psalms, and the prophets, right? So, so here's what they're saying. They're saying, my book, which Moses was the Torah there, is the law, right? Now, Moses in the law commanded us that <clears throat> such should be stoned. This is where I like to go. Do you know how many times Jesus contradicts the Bible? So who's right? Your book or is he? You grew up in evangelical, your book's right. Heck with Jesus. Isn't that true? It's true. I'm just serious. Bible school is probably the same way, isn't it? The word of God. And I always go, what did they do for 400 years when it wasn't, the New Testament wasn't written? They didn't have it? So the guys who wrote it didn't have it? Doesn't make any sense, does it? So they go, the book says this, and then they turn to who? Jesus, the true word of God incarnate. The word made flesh. And they ask him, but what do you say? And what does he say? Does he say anything initially? He bends down. Where is he, by the way, at this point? He returned to the temple, right? So he bends down on the temple floor. It says the sand in King James, but where is he? He's in the temple floor. So he bends down and he appears to write in silence. You guys know the narrative, right? So anyway, so they said to him, testing him, but what do you say? They said this testing him that they might have something which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, <clears throat> he raised himself up. Now, isn't this interesting? So this is the sun rising within them. He raises himself up. So if you're going through anything, where's, your, where's the salvation? Where's the rescue? Where's the deliverance gonna come from? Within, guys. It's gonna come from within. It's the only place it can come from. So he raised himself up. And said to them, <clears throat> you religious turds. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> that's what I want to say. Say, he kind of says that without saying it, doesn't he? So he says, hey, he, he who is without sin among you, let them throw the first stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, how many times did he write on the ground? And I wrote this in the thing today. How many times did Moses receive teaching? Twice. The first time, he came down with stones of sapphire, lapis lazuli, blue, because the Hebrews believed that when you look up at the sky, that's the temple, not realizing the temple was within. That's where God sits. That's where his throne is. So if his throne's up there and he's got his feet on the ground, what color is the ground up there? It's blue. It's the sky's blue, right? So they believed it was sapphire, which explains Ananias and Sapphira and the whole thing, but I don't have time to get into that. So so he comes down the first time with sapphire stones, and what happens to the stones? They broke them. He goes up and gets a second set of teaching, and God tells him what to do what with that second set of teaching. Don't show these to the people, is what he says. Put them in the Ark of the Covenant. Who is the Ark of the Covenant? We are. So where is the second, things, where is the second teaching written, as Hebrews says? It's not in ink or, or tablets of stone. It's written in your hearts and minds. It's within. Amen? So this is pretty cool if you get it. So, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest. So if you see through scripture, I've, I've taught you this part before, but there's another part coming that I just like jumping for joy. So the old, the old that's fading away, that's old that's going away, is always typology of what? Moses is always fading away. He had a veil over his, his face so that they could see the glory that was fading it's fading away, it's going away. We see in Galatians 4 and 5 where it says, hey, Hagar and Ishmael, throw what out? Throw the old thing out so the old's gonna go away. So you see this picture of it here. That's really kind of funny because when you read it, in the Greek it says, beginning with the presbytery. <laughs> you guys know what the presbytery is, right? It's the religious guys. It's the elders in your church. So it actually made me laugh out loud. Like when I read it, it's like, oh, the presbytery. Oh, he goes, the presbytery has to leave first because there's the most guilty because they've been teaching the law, stealing for the people. No, I'm serious. Jesus says all the people that came before me that taught an angry God, they were the thief. They stole from my kids what was already theirs by inheritance. Imagine that, right? Go to your Bible school and go, you thieves. Your father's the Diablos. <laughs> It makes me laugh, actually. So then those who heard it being convinced by their conscience, what happened? So Jesus turns the law back on them. Hey, if anybody can withstand this law, if you're good enough to not stone her, then you feel free. Now, who was the only one in their presence that was worthy to stone her? 
Jesus. And then Jesus tells us early on in John, he says, I didn't come to hurt you, condemn you. I came to what? So do you. So if you believe in this literal great white throne judgment, Jesus is the same how many? I was taught this. He's the same yesterday and today and yesterday, today and forever. Except when he comes back, he's really irritated and ticked off. Because he came the first time in grace, but the second time he's coming ticked. I'm like, wait a minute, you just he's unchanging. He has no shadow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, that was before the cross. You ever heard that in the grace circles? He's the same before the cross as after the cross, guys. And this is where I sometimes I get after the grace guys. It's like, well, that was before the cross. He's the same. He's the same. So if you believe in this great white throne judgment, you should be, yippee. I finally get to meet the guy who doesn't condemn me anymore. He loves me perfectly. You guys get this. So went one by one, beginning with the Presbytery, the religious guys, even unto the eschatos. So the end is, here's what, so the end, something's going to happen. So here's the eschatos. Eschatos is where we get eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times, right? Either what I'm going to show you is going to happen or you're going to get raptured out and all of us heathens are going to be riding around the I-25 and cars are going to crash with the bumper stickers saying, if I'm raptured, look out because I just, you, you poor unworthy people are left. <laughs> Not re- Stephen Melton and I were always, when we first start getting in this, we're like, wait a minute, if we read that, it says, as in the days of Noah, we want to be left behind. Who was left behind in the days of Noah? The eight knuckleheads on the ark, right? And the ark was above the, the sea where all death happens. So eight people came out of the ark. Eighth is the, the number of new beginnings. If any, therefore, if any man be in you, how many things are made new? Hallelujah, we raised above the, all the death and all that's left is life. Amen? See how all the scriptures tie together? All right, let's go to this next slide. This is good stuff to me. Now, verse nine. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, I'm gonna show you something this next, not, don't go there yet, but this next slide. If we just read this literally then, the Bible clearly says you're gonna miss the main part of this whole thing. Because it was not written in English, by the way. We only have translations of translations of translations of translations. So when it went from Greek to Latin, it got really messed up which became the King James. When it came Latin to English, it got more messed up. And now we go, that's the Bible clearly says. But it's clearly written on your heart that you are perfectly loved. Amen? So, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, there you see this raise yourself within again, and saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Now go and never mess up again. See, it says it right there. Do you think that's what it says? I'll read it out of the mirror translation too, but I want to show you this first part. If we just take this in English, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. This is where I was jumping for joy this morning. So if we go to that next slide real quick, watch what you do when, it's, when you bring in the Greek to this thing. Let me put my goggles on so I don't have to squint. The blues, bright up here. So Jesus was left alone. That's the Greek word manos. Manos means what? Mono, die, monocot, dicot, remember biology? Mono means one leaf. Dicot means two leaves. That's why I quit med school, by the way. Botany. It's like I had to learn 3,000 of those. I said, no, you do. I don't. Jesus was left mono with the woman, if you look in Greek. So Jesus and the woman were one. Here's the eschatology. It says, all the law faded away, the eschatos. And then the next verse, and Jesus was monos, one with the woman. And I looked up wife in Bible Hub. I just clicked on it. It says, my wife or my lady? Now, is that cool? I just thought, we're his lady. Like, he's, we're his babe. Like, I always tell her, I'm like, you're the babe of babes. The hottest of hot. She's Venus, right? Goddess on the mountaintop. So think about this. So here's Jesus. <laughs> it's, and Jesus was left one with the wife, his lady. I just thought it was fascinating in Greek. It says, his lady. 
That's pretty cool to me. And there's a deeper truth to this too that I'll share with you. So, and Jesus was left alone, manos, with the woman. So the woman, the bride of Christ, you and I are one, right? Manos, standing. Now, if we, if we see the word standing in the midst, what do we, if we just see the word standing, what do we see? Somebody standing. You know, see what it is in Greek? I am. What, how do, where do we get this? He's standing. It's not what it says. It says, this is where I was jumping for joy. I go, sweetie, you got to look at this thing. So Jesus and the woman, you and I are one. And he says, I am within. Your true identity is who you believe yourself within, is what it says. If I read it in Greek, it's actually more powerful because it's still in English here. This is pretty wild. If I just read it in Greek, it says, the presbytery left until the eschaton, until the end. Eschatology is the end, right? And then it says, uh, and he was mono, the Jesus. Now, if we look at the word Jesus, what is Jesus? It's not J-E-S-U-S. What does Jesus literally mean? Salvation, wholeness, healing, prosperity, health, whatever. So he says this, he was manos with salvation. And the gune, which is, which is wife or my lady, it's woman, in the midst, being. So let me just share this with you. Here's, here's what he's really saying. Your salvation comes when you realize I am within you. When you realize he and you are one. And whatever you do within, if you need anything, what do you do within? The solution to that. And what you do with that is who you're going to be. It blew my mind. Maybe some of you guys weren't excited as I was, but I was like, oh my God. When you start seeing this in Greek, it says, Jesus was mono with us. And who he is is, I am within. As a man thinketh, so are you. That's what he's saying here. Here's salvation. Salvation is when you see your true identity within. So what is your true identity in the spirit? You're one with him. So if you have any kind of health issues, what's the true idea about who you are? Health. However you see yourself within is what you're going to manifest without. Isn't that wild? I mean, in English, I was just like, I just went to the other side here. I'm going to get lots of emails from all the pastors. You Presbyterians, you. So I'm just reading your book. <laughs> and it's so exciting to me. We are monos with him. And that him is I am you. You can't separate us. Because whatever you believe about yourself is you. You see this? It's so trippy to me. <sighs> so when Jesus, let's get rid of J-E-S-U-S again and get the true meaning. So it's salvation. It's Yehoshua. If you go look at it closely, it says Yahweh, yud heh vav heh, delivers, as if you really want to go look at it in, in the Greek closely here. Now, so when salvation, so here's the thing. And if you go look at it, sozo means healing of your true identity. So when you see the truth about who you are, when you see that you're perfectly loved and the bride of Christ, you're one with him, you're his lady. Now, any good husband worth his weight, if he had the means to take care of his bride, would he not take care of his bride? Does Jesus have the means to take care of any one of your situations? A couple of them, right? At once. <laughs> he can do a lot at once. So, and then he says this. If, let's just use practical things. Brad and Paul. Hey, Amazon's like holding our book up. We can't figure it out. Ah, oh, what did we do? How hard is it at Rich and Ash? What did we do? Is that what we did? No, no. You know what we did? We closed these things. And we imagined what we wanted to happen about that book within. And then we just listened to them. Hey, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be released perfectly. Perfect timing so that they get the maximum profit on this book. How much do we spend on it? Maybe a minute, two minutes? That was it. We're like, praise God. Now we just wait. And literally a week, almost to the hour, well, looky here. Look what they just released. Now, how hard was that? I didn't have to call him to go, prayer squad. You got the 2 a.m. slot. Sucks to be you, right? <laughs> Isn't that true? 
Like I'm sawing like 10 logs, about ready to wake up by two. So, so when salvation raises up within yourself, when you see the true identity who you are, how simple is it? Hey, if you need, if you need, uh, uh, you know what just came to me was um, when Dr. Greg Braden, when he went over and he showed the medicineless hospital, that's really what we're doing with this prayer thing, guys, is all we're doing is like, you know what? Everybody's teaching nonsense around the world right now. It's as simple as seeing it within and knowing it's done. Accepting that the Father sees what we do within. And if we know he hears in 1 John 5, then we know we have what we've asked of him. That's all faith is. Is that simple? No building it up, working it up. All this is stirring it up is what it talks about. It says stir it up. Work out that salvation with fear and awe of how amazing you really are as the tabernacle of God. Work out salvation from within is what it says. Isn't that interesting? He goes, everything you're ever going to need has already been given. It's within you. Now work it out. With awe and trembling, like, oh my God, this is so good. That's kind of, that's really what he's talking about here. So when, when you see the truth about if you need finances, you see yourself as already having it. You stir that self within. You raise that up within. From Anna, in the sense of reversal and cupto to unbend, Jesus comes, and the woman that was bowed down for how many years? 18 years. Six plus six plus six. The mark of the beast. The beast was the legal system that steals from you from what you already have. Amen? thinking that you must do all these religious things in order to be blessed by God. Jesus doesn't see her that way. He says what to her? Should this daughter of Abraham... Now, the religious people, he doesn't tell them they're a son of Abraham. Who does he say they're a son of? The son of the Diablos. (laughs) But to the woman who has an issue with blood, she can't give birth to anything. Why? Because the law, you can't give birth to life. It only brings death. Does that make sense? So she's having her period for 18 years. Sucks to be her, too, right? That'd be bad, wouldn't it, ladies? 18 years? Jeez. Nasty. I can't even go where I wanted to go there. So, (laughs) no, I can't. (laughs) I'm already over the edge. So he says, he calls the the legal system, "You, you were birthed out of legalism. The father was a blank from the beginning, Murderer from the beginning. Don't we see Moses murder somebody right up front? Which represents the law, isn't it? But he calls the woman bowed down for 18 years, ought not this daughter of Abraham. If she's a daughter of Abraham, that means she has an inheritance from Abraham. Ought not this daughter of Abraham be lifted up and not bowed down? So here's what he's saying, the same thing. That word is to rise up from being, it means to unbend. If you're bent down, to rise up. So he says, let salvation rise up within you. And a sense of reversal, cup to, to unbend, i.e. rise figuratively to be elated, to lift up, to look up. Lift up. When he says, when there's casting down, we're to do what? Look up. And it's not like that. It's literally within yourself to who you are. Put your eyes on heavenly things. What are the heavenly things? The truth about who you are truly, not what you see physically, right? So, and they saw no one but the woman. He said to the woman, where are your accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither, I do, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Now, let me just read this out of the mirror translation and we'll, we'll be done with this. People struggle with this unbelievably. They think sin is behavior. That's why, oh, was Francois off the charts good or was he off the charts good? I, I was like, when I communicated with the head of him, he's like, oh, brother Mike. <laughs> you know how he gets... So he's like, oh, and he's like, can I say this stuff? I go, let her rip, man, let her rip. So he let her rip for an hour straight, didn't he? He just went off. If you haven't seen it, go to YouTube. That is one joyous dude versus the Presbytery. <laughs> well, the Bible clearly says, ah, oh, you knucklehead. So, oh, there was, there's so many gold nuggets in that thing, amen. So anyway, let me just read this. So what he, what he says in there. Adam and Eve, let's start back there, the, God, the garden narrative. God creates creation if we, if we read the narrative. And how many things were good? All. All good. Now, Adam and Eve listened to the naked or the talking snake. And it's the serpentine mind. It's the fallen mindset, right? Now, I re- all the stuff I grew up with, oh my gosh, it's so destroying and destructive. Was God too holy to look upon sin? He showed up at the same time. He goes, where are you guys? He's not too, just the nonsense we grew up with, guys. 
He's perfect love. Perfect love never even keeps a record of wrong, much less I'm too holy to not look at my perfect love. So he shows up on time and he says, where are you guys? Now, does God know where they are? Of course he does. <laughs> He's telling them, where are you? Where are you? Where do you see yourself right now? They said, we're over here hiding because we're afraid of you. Because the serpent, the fallen mind says, I must do these things in order to be one like God. The truth was, were they already one like God? Yes, yes. So it's not high treason and all this nonsense that you guys probably got. Adam committed high treason. and No, no. We fell within. We, we forgot who we were. We forgot we were perfectly loved sons and daughters. God loved perfectly the whole time, always, always will. Amen? So sin is not what you do. Sin is not being a bad boy or a bad girl. Guys, that'll kill you. That'll kill you. The most freeing thing in the world, why we're called freedom, I was like, when I really got, how much relief would I feel that he's not going to judge me even for the mistakes I'm going to make 30 years from now? Oh, man, I'm worthy to receive now. Amen? That's where freedom comes from. He has set you free from the law of sin and death, mistaken identity, which kills. Amen? So let me just read this out of, out of uh, the mirror, which I just think is so good if we look at this. So <clears throat> uh, John eight eleven. let me get to the right chapter. That would help. Because sin, what, how Francois puts it is, sin was never about behavior. Sin was, out, sin was missing out on sonship, and we could call that being a daughter too. Missing out on your true identity. Now, it causes all kinds of crazy things. So if you knew you could have your desires of your heart, then you wouldn't have to steal, you wouldn't have to lust, you wouldn't have to do all these things that we do. If I knew I could receive it for free, then why would I go anywhere other place? He's my fulfillment of everything I ever gonna need. And he goes, everything I have is how much of yours? All. So does he have perfect joy? Then you can have perfect joy. Amen? Does he have divine health? You can have divine health. Does he have cattle on a thousand hills? Not a thousand and one, but only a thousand. I'll even take the thousand. <laughs> right? A thousand was the biggest number in Greek. It was representative of the biggest number, meaning he's got the cattle everywhere in the world. So how many cattle do you have? You got to get that risen up within you. That's what he's saying. Then you'll find salvation within in your oneness. So here's, here's, here's how he translates sin, which is so good. So, uh, <clears throat> When he asks, has anybody condemned you? Now the law was condemning, the Satanus, the Diablos is condemning, right? But it says all of that faded away. In the end, is gonna, you're going to realize that Jesus and you are mono. Amen? She answered, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither am I condemning you. Go and sin no more. Never again believe a lie about yourself. Now if we go way back to the garden narrative of Adam and Eve, it says the serpent did what to Eve? Deceived her. Deceived means told her something that was not True. Amen? Go and sin no more. Never again believe a lie about yourself. The word translated hamartia is from ha, which is a negative, no. Like hades, hades, which is translated hell in, English, in King James, but it's not that. It's not being able to see or hear. You can't see your true identity, hades. All right? So ha is negative and without marrow's portion. In form, this thus, distorted pattern, the root of sin is to leave a... Is to, to believe a lie about yourself. See, Romans 6.14, sin was their master while the law was your measure. If you're going to measure yourself up under the law, you're going to die. It's guilt, shame, all the different things. The law revealed your slavery to sin. Grace reveals your freedom from it. Jesus didn't say to the lady, go and sin less. He said, go and sin never again. Jesus knew something about the life of our design that we have lost sight of. What he revealed, he also redeemed. Sin consciousness is what empowers religion. It always amazes me how Simon could not receive the gift of the miraculous catch. That was Peter, right? When he says, throw your net on the what side? The right side. Where are we seated? The right side, the position of honor, glory. We're seated with him in heavenly places on the right side. And he says, throw your net on the right side. Dr. Fairchild did a great job too, didn't she? And she, she's got like 85 services on this now about the, the mind-brain connection. She goes, the right side is your creative part. What you see within creates. She goes, so see, throw, your sin, throw your net on the right side. So that's the whole story he's talking about. It always amazes me how Simon or Peter could not receive the gift of the miraculous abundant catch that Jesus blessed him with. 
he felt more comfortable with the fact that he caught nothing the previous night. And he says, I am a sinful man. He accepted his fate as due because his mind was educated under the law of blessings and curses, Deuteronomy 28. I'm like, oh, that's the Deuteronomy 28 part. I'm like, how in the world is Deuteronomy 28 with the woman caught in the act of adultery? And I read, I just got chills again. I'm like, oh, thank you, Father. All right. Now, so when you recognize your true identity. So Deuteronomy, it starts out. Now, Deuteronomy blessings are pretty good, aren't they? You want to hear some of them real quick? Then what? It's so good. Deuteronomy 8.28 was conditional, though. It says, if you diligently hearken and do all these things, then I'll do all these. Let's go read some of them. They're actually really good. Now, we, a lot of times, we were like, all the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 are ours. Because if you start Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 15, it's all pretty good. But then it says, but if you're not a good boy and you do these bad things, then what's going to happen? You're not going to get raptured. Hold on, someone says, says something else. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having fun with it because it's so funny to me. How many, how many of the blessings are yes and amen in Christ? All. So there's no condition anymore. Amen? You are blessed. You have all these things. Now let that rise up within you and realize you're one with him. So here's the, here's the good stuff that's within you. <clears throat> I will set you on high above all nations on the earth. Does Paul tell us we're seated high? We are seated above every name that's above, that's every name that's named in the position of honor on the right hand where we put our brides. Amen? Isn't that cool? All of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. It's Psalm 23. The blessings of David will hunt me down like a hunter. He's so passionate to get us to see this that he goes, just stop running away from me. Let my blessings overwhelm you and stop running is what he's saying. All right, you ready for this? It doesn't matter where you go. I see people move all over the country to try to get blessed. He says, blessed you'll be in the city, blessed you'll be in the field. Meaning that whether you go to a city, whether you go, you're blessed. Amen? Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. You're going to have awesome kids. Amen? If you don't, slap them. No, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> well, no, I, get, I get correction. We correct our kids. But we've got great kids. And if not, guys, guess what? How do you get back in the land of Eden? See them as great kids. That's it. And the father sees what you do within and he'll make it happen. Now, is that simple or is that simple? Hallelujah, man. The fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, the flocks, your sheep. Blessed is going to be your basket. Blessed is going to be your store. You're going, to, you're going to be so blessed that when you come in, when you go out, it doesn't matter. You're blessed wherever you go. When we go to Golden Flame and watch Wings in Worship, we're blessed. Amen? Did you see those guys? Hey, older brother, come in the house and join us. It's quite fun. So, the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before their face. Nothing can touch you. That's what he's saying. They shall come at you one way and flee before you. How many ways? You're perfectly safe. He goes, they're gonna, you're going to flee. Hey, COVID, nonsense. It flees from me seven ways. Now, let me just share one thing on that. Don't get upset if you test positive for COVID. You actually want to if you understand it. You want to get, oh, I had it? I didn't even know. I'm asymptomatic. That means that everything's working. It's not that you're not going to touch it. I'm trying to touch it everywhere I go. I do. Walmart, I go, give me a dirty one. Why? Because it's better. Anyway. If you get this, it doesn't matter if you were tested positive. Amen? That just means you came in contact with it. Praise God, the thing's over for you. Amen? <clears throat> It flees from you seven ways. It flees from you. That was the whole story of Jesus, right? When he touches the leper. Hey, something outside of you is going to touch you. No. Jesus touches the leper, and what happens to the leper? It flees seven ways. He comes perfect. Amen? The Lord shall establish you as a holy people unto himself. He's going to do it for you. And he has sworn unto you, if you shall, no, that's, I don't want that. If you shall keep his commandments, every, that's gone. Every promise is yes and amen because of what he did. All the people shall see you are called you are surnamed a son or daughter of God. That's what it says. It's unbelievable lesson, guys. Amen? Does that help? So all this is, you can get to your feet. So lift up your within and see the truth. You're perfectly loved, favored. His wife, his lady. He says the law, legalism, all condemnation, all guilt, shame's gone, guys. Now go within. See yourself as his perfectly spotless bride and every promise is yes and amen in you. And it's this simple, guys. He says, let salvation rise within you. How do we enter into the Garden of Eden? 
by what we see within is the doorway to life. So make sure you're only seeing what you want to come to pass in your life within. I'm not saying we don't mess up. I mess up all the time, but I try to get off it and try to start to see what I only what I want. Amen? And when you do that, that's enough. That's prayer. He goes, if you get this, you don't have to struggle for it. You don't have to work for it. You see the life you want, and you're going to realize it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, which all creation has been waiting for, but is now revealed as you're not separate from him. You're mono, and you're his lady. Amen? And he spoils you like nobody's business. Amen? He takes you to the Broadmoor and wraps you in 600-count Egyptian cotton sheets and gives you room service, and it's just wonderful. (laughs) Or you could fast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, doesn't he say, hey, you fast when he's not there, but is he ever going to leave you? So what are you doing fasting? He can't leave you. He'll never leave you. He's with you. Now he said, I'm going to leave, and they're going to fast for a little bit. Did he ever really leave? No, not really. In the narrative, says he went down to the depths of Hades, where there's no light and they couldn't see any. What he'd make them see, he made sure they could see. He who was above descended below, so that things above the earth, on the earth, and below the earth, he would fill all, so that all would be in all to the glory of the Father. Everybody's finally going to be the eschatosis. Everybody's going to finally see that they're a perfectly loved bride now. Like what, I love what Francois says. He goes, is he upset with you if you go down all these religious rabbit holes? No, but you're going to waste a lot of time. We're just trying to keep you from wasting time. Amen? And even then, if we've wasted, I, we've wasted some time. We thought we're going to be blessed if we go over here. If we thought we're going to be blessed over there. And he goes, it doesn't matter where you are. If you're in the city, in the field, you're blessed. Let that rise up in you. Amen? Yeah, but the economy is this. No, the economy is money. Rise up within you. Let the rise up within you what you want, and it'll happen. Amen? So, Father, we love you. We praise you. Man, it's so good. It's so good. There's no striving. There's no struggle. All they need to do is see what, who they truly are, that they're perfectly loved bride. And if I'm the bride of Christ, if I'm his lady, that means everything he has, I have. And there's literally no separation. We're manos. We're one. And as I see within, oh, man. I am you within, is what it says. So as we see what we desire within, it has to come to pass. That's the promise we have in him. In Jesus' magnificent name, amen, amen, amen.